In this episode, we will learn about cranial nerves in general, the specifics, and a neat way that I remember the cranial nerves. Let's check it out. You are listening to the OT Dude Occupational Therapy Podcast. This podcast explores who occupational therapists are, what they do, and how they are changing our lives for the better by promoting engagement in everyday activities that are important to us or our occupations. This podcast will discuss various healthcare and wellness topics, review core subjects for exams, update you on the latest research and trends, and get you excited about the wonderful profession of occupational therapy. Now, here is your host, Jeff, the OT Dude. So some of you may have learned about cranial nerves maybe in an anatomy, physiology course, from a college course, or an OT school. If you're like me, you probably try to remember what the cranial nerves are, but confuse them all the time because you don't always need to use this information. In OT school, there's a high chance you will be tested on the cranial nerves. In practice, knowing what the cranial nerves are can be helpful because you may see it in the patient's chart, and if you're nerdy like me, knowing how the cranial nerves work is just cool in general. Functionally, cranial nerves relay information not from the brain, but between the brain and parts of the head, neck, and trunk. What can make cranial nerves more confusing is that they may be sensory nerves, motor nerves, or both, depending on the cranial nerve you are looking at. Sensory nerves are your senses like seeing, hearing, tasting, smelling, touch, and also the vestibular system. Motor nerves control movements such as your eyes, facial expression, tongue, and so forth. Sensory nerves are sometimes called afferent. Motor nerves are sometimes called efferent. Simple. Let's dive in deeper. So why are they called cranial nerves? Like the word cranial suggests, they have to do with the brain. Cranial nerves are actually a pair of nerves that emerge from the brain and connect to different parts of our head, neck, and trunk. There are 12 cranial nerves, and the convention is to number them from 1 to 12 in Roman numerals. It might be a good idea to review your Roman numerals from 1 to 12 after this podcast if you're a little rusty on them, because you may see this in a patient's chart, and it would make no sense if you're not familiar with Roman numerals. So why are they numbered in the order that they are? The cranial nerves are named based on their location from anterior to posterior. As the first nerve, the olfactory nerve, is closest to the front of the head, it is designated cranial nerve number one. The first two nerves arise from the cerebrum. The remaining ten nerves emerge from the brainstem such as the midbrain, pons, or medulla. If you take a neuroanatomy course, it can of course get very complicated very quickly. Many students may stress about the cranial nerves and you never know. Some of you may never use it in practice after being tested, and that's great. On the other hand, if you're going to go into rehab, for example, neuro rehab, then you should know these pretty well. Don't worry, many students have difficulty with this topic, but it can be learned. Why do we care about cranial nerves as OTs? There can be temporary, acute, or chronic cranial neuropathies, which is weakness, numbness, pain, or loss of function due to the cranial nerves somehow being affected. These cranial nerves can be damaged by injury or even an illness such as diabetes. Cranial neuropathies can also be caused by infections such as Lyme disease, cancer, intracranial pressure, congenitally from an autoimmune response, or an aneurysm. In recent news, cranial nerves are getting some attention due to a concern of the new coronavirus vaccine causing Bell's palsy in some people. That's a topic for another podcast. What are some symptoms of cranial neuropathies? Some patients may experience pain, tingling sensation, numbness, hypersensitivity to touch, weak or paralyzed muscles that cause drooling or slurred speech, or vision changes. A physician may diagnose cranial neuropathies from a physical exam 
CT, MRI, nerve conduction test, and a spinal tap, to name a few. Furthermore, a cranial neuropathy can be a sign of a more serious emergency. As an occupational therapist, if you notice an acute change in your patient, you'll be best to notify the nurse or provider right away. Treatment can be just recovery time, treating the infection with medicine, helping with swelling and inflammation, or treating the pain itself. Depending on the case, sometimes surgery can help, but other times, the nerve damage may be extensive and management would be more conservative. Let's start learning about specific cranial nerves. If this is your first time learning about cranial nerves and associating the names of the nerves to function, it may be helpful to think about a part of your face and a nerve or several nerves being associated with it. For example, cranial nerves for the eyes, nose and smell, ears and hearing, mouth and taste and eating, and so on. It gets more complicated, and there are variations to this rule, but coming up on this podcast, I will teach you a cool way to remember the cranial nerves visual-spatially in addition to using mnemonics. So take a sip of coffee or a bathroom break and bear with me. We are going to get more detailed now. The format we will go over is the name of the nerve, the number of the order it goes in Roman numerals, what the function is, and whether the nerve is sensory, motor, or both. Cranial nerve 1 is olfactory nerve, or smell. Pretty straightforward. Smell would be sensory, as intuitively, there is no motor component involved with smell. You kind of just encounter smells in your day-to-day, and your nose does not seek out smells with muscles or anything. At least that's how I think and remember this one. Cranial nerve 2 is optic. The word optic means vision or seeing, so therefore, the optic nerve is a, you guessed it, a sensory nerve. Damage to the optic nerve would affect vision, such as with hemianopsia that you may see in patients who suffered a stroke. Cranial nerve number three, the oculomotor nerve, also has to do with vision, but more with the eye movement. As the name suggests, oculomotor, this is a motor-only nerve. The muscles for eye movement can be complicated, and one way to remember specific movements, if you are curious, is to instead think about what the other eye movement cranial nerves do specifically other than cranial nerve number three. Meaning, what does the trochlear nerve and the abducens nerve do? What remains that the trochlear and abducens don't control is what the oculomotor nerve controls. Keep in mind that we have two eyes and the movements are for each. The oculomotor nerve controls eye movement with four of the six muscles around the eyes, and it is what crosses your eyes together like you see in babies. However, this nerve does not control movement away from the nose. There's a separate nerve for that. By the way, the oculomotor nerve also controls pupil response to light and eyelid movement. Cranial nerve number four, trochlear nerve. The word trochlear means pulley, so it pulls on something, and it is motor. The trochlear nerve specifically controls the superior oblique muscle in each eye. The movements of the pulley system of the trochlear nerve include down and also in and outwards because of the anatomical layout of the superior oblique muscle. To remember this functionally, when this nerve gets damaged, the eye is unable to be pulled downward and may therefore deviate upwards towards the 12 o'clock position towards the eyelids, causing diplopia or double vision because the other eye remains lower or in the inferior position. So you're probably wondering what controls the eye movement laterally or outwards away from the nose in each eye. You use this to look to the side. Let's skip cranial nerve 5 and jump to cranial nerve 6, the abducens nerve, which we kind of mentioned already. The abducens nerve helps to abduct the eye with the lateral rectus muscle to look away from the nose. So this makes it a motor nerve as well. Now that you understand the function, 
it is more easy to remember what the names of these eye control nerves do and how they are motor nerves. Damage to cranial nerve number 6, the abducens nerve, can also cause diplopia as one eye deviates laterally from the center while the other eye remains in place. Another way to remember the abducens nerve and its eye movement is the movement abduction, which pertains to movement of the part of the body away from midline, like when you abduct your arms. Going back to cranial nerve number 5 is the trigeminal nerve, trigeminal for triple twin, the first of our cranial nerves with both sensory and motor function. Trigeminal nerves are further divided into V1, V2, and V3. V1 and V2 are sensory and are ophthalmic and maxillary. The face is divided into three sections, and ophthalmic, the most superior from the eyes to nose. The maxillary section communicates sensation from the middle part of the face, including cheeks, upper lip, and nose. The mandibular, as you can guess, is the lower part of the face, including lower lip and chin, but also your ears. Mandibular, so you can guess it controls the muscles of the jaw for mastication or chewing. Because V3, the mandibular division, has both sensory and motor function, the trigeminal nerve in general is both sensory and motor as a result. Cranial nerve number 6, abducens for eye control, we already talked about. Cranial nerve number 7, facial nerve. As the name suggests, this helps to control the movement of facial expressions. It also has a sensory component and is responsible for taste with the anterior two-thirds of the tongue as well as the salivary glands. Therefore, the facial nerve is both sensory and motor. Cranial nerve number 8, this is a hard one to say, is the vestibulocochlear nerve. The innervation originates in separate areas of the brain. Vestibulo means hallway, and cochlear means spiral, just like the anatomy. Vestibular is involved with balance. The cochlear nerve is responsible for hearing, like the cochlea. This nerve is sensory only. Cranial nerve 9 is glossopharyngeal. Glosso means tongue, and pharyngeal means throat. The remaining one-third of the tongue for the glossopart part is for taste, the sensory component. It is also responsible for the salivary gland as well. When you get hungry and salivate, the muscles for swallowing are used, the motor component of the glossopharyngeal nerve. What about the throat? Sensory information is sent from the back of the throat, sinuses, and back of the tongue. Cranial nerve 10 is vagus, meaning to wander and go all over the place. The V in vagus helps you to remember functions of the viscera for digestion of the intestines, heart, motor control of throat, peristalsis, communicating sensory information for ear canal and throat, as well as taste for the root of the tongue. One way to remember vagus is that it sounds like Las Vegas, and you have lots of sounds coming at you, food to eat for the sensory information in the ear canal, throat and tongue, and stimuli that affects your heart rate and GI system, like when you get excited at the casino. This makes it both sensory and motor. Cranial nerve 11 is accessory, or spinal accessory. It controls the sternocleidomastoid and trapezius for the neck and shoulder movement. You can remember this one because you wear accessories like jewelry or purse around your neck and shoulders. Therefore, the accessory nerve is motor only. Last, we have cranial nerve 12, hypoglossal. We just learned that glossal means tongue, so hypo means under the tongue. This controls the muscles of the tongue. It is motor only. And that's it. Phew! Mnemonics. There are many on the internet, and some you may have learned to remember the cranial nerves themselves, 
and whether they are sensory, motor, or both. I will look at a few of these and see which one makes sense to remember them more. For remembering the nerves, I learned in school, oh, 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 to touch and feel very good velvet, such heaven. Some are very silly for sure. The one I learned for sensory motor is, some say money matters, but my brother says big brains matter more. Again, some say money matters, but my brother says big brains matter more. Do you remember the one for the cranial nerves? Oh, 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 to touch and feel very good velvet. Such heaven. Alright, last is I want to teach you a trick I use to remember the cranial nerve names. For this trick, think of the numbers of the cranial nerves not written as Roman numerals, but as regular numbers. These numbers actually kind of look like parts of the face. Use your imagination, kind of like a Picasso painting for these numbers, to resemble the parts of the face. So let's start in numerical order. Cranial nerve 1 is olfactory. The number 1 can represent the nose of the face. Cranial nerve 2, drawn with the loop and tail, kind of looks round, right? So the number 2, for optic nerve, resembles an eye. Remember how cranial nerve 3, oculomotor, controls the eyelids? If you turn the number 3 on its side, it kind of looks like eyebrows. Cranial nerve 4 is trochlear. Think of it like an eye crease, closest to the nose on the medial side which controls movement of the eye. Cranial nerve 5, if drawn big, can look like a face for the trigeminal nerve. Cranial nerve 6 is the outer crease opposite the drawn number 4 for the abducens nerve. Two number 7s facing each other kind of resemble the outer outline of the face, and no pun intended, the facial nerve. Two number 8s resemble ears for the vestibulocochlear nerve. Turn number 9 on its side, and you have the lip, with tongue sticking out, which reminds you of the functions of the glossopharyngeal nerve. Number 10, I don't really know, <laughs> just draw a lot of number 10s to remind you of the vagus functions for the head and so on. Two number 11s drawn on each side and slanted kind of looks like shoulders for the accessory nerve. That leaves you with number 12, which you can draw under the tongue for hypoglossal nerve. Remember that number 9 represented the tongue. This is another great way that I like to remember some of the cranial nerves which really helped me. Look on YouTube with keyword cranial nerve face. Again, keyword cranial nerve face for some examples of drawings. Then, I recommend drawing these numbers out on a blank piece of paper to quiz yourself on what each cranial nerve does before your test or board exam. Practice this until you feel confident of what each cranial nerve does, and you can name it pretty quickly, and whether it's motor, sensory, or both. This wraps it up for cranial nerves. Hope it makes sense and may not seem so overwhelming to you. For more free OT resources, including OT practice guides, rehab calculators, OT salary guides, reference guides, and more, check out otdude.com. I'm Jeff with OT Dude, and this is the OT Dude Podcast. See you in the next one.